funeral parlor way out here. I can't believe we're gonna party here. Now it's time for party games. Yeah. How about a past life seance? A seance? It was closing time in the spoiler room and I had just turned off the lights when I heard something move. I flipped the switch but the lights didn't come back on. I pulled out my phone and as I lit the flashlight on it, I screamed. My VHS of Night of the Demons was floating in front of me. I tried to leave. The Black Roses VHS pushed me back everywhere I turned. There were horror films from 1988 floating everywhere. Who knew there were so many? When I awoke from my fevered dream, I realized that it was time. Time to face my fear. Time to take a stab at... The War of 1988. Thank you all for <laughs> joining us today here in the spoiler room, venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair, tapping your favorite drink, and uh, talking movie spoilers with us tonight. We're Horror of 1988 episode. Yes, it's our special series this year that we're doing where we're covering horror films from 1988 that you, the listeners, had voted on last year. And uh, tonight is a classic for many. Uh, and it is a Night of the Demons from 1988. And I've got a great crew here for me tonight with me to talk about uh, demons and house parties gone awry. <laughs> they are back with us again. Uh, first off, it's Kara from Horror Retrospective. See, I said it right this time. Uh, <laughs> how you doing tonight, Kara? Doing okay. Great. Glad to have you here, especially get that retrospective on uh, this uh, film. So uh, glad to have you in the room. And next to me as well, it is Mr. Ian Simmons, the man who uh, just keeps coming back for more. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, but now I want to see Kid and Play's house party with demons in it. Oh, that there, did occur to me as you said that too. That that would have been yeah. awesome. Uh -huh. They could have done. I would have rather seen that than a haunted house or a haunted house two or scary movie eighty five oh or gosh. yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I would have rather seen Kid play in a house party movie, but it was horror themed and they had to deal with demons and ghosts. Man. Kid and Play's Haunted House Party. Someone oh, get on that. Come on. They can still do it. Kid and Play Haunted House Party. 
could you know oh you could bring back some you know some uh og rappers to you know haunt the place uh those that are still living and you know and um no i, I mean because some have passed away so uh but you know that would be cool but we're not talking about uh that uh though copyright spoiler room uh 2022 uh <laughs> tonight we are talking about night of the demons and mr ian simmons mm -hmm. it is your turn tonight to give the synopsis of night of the demons from 1988 go well a group of teenagers and i'm assuming they're all teenagers because we see the the headstone of one of them at the very end and it turns out he was 18 years old which is very strange because all these people uh, linnea quigley for example, was 30 when she made this movie. Um, Shh, quit, quit, quit ruining the suspension yeah, of this. cheeky scene could have fooled me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said, Cara. Well said. I, we'll get into Miss Quigley later. But... Oh, we will? <laughs> I love the idea of Linnea Quigley. I love Linnea Quigley. She's very nice. I met her in person. She sang me a birthday song once. Aww. But God damn it, when I watch her in any movie, I'm like, you are terrible at acting. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> yes. I liked her as trash. Yeah. I th I think it's uh, I think it's a great character name and an accurate description of the performance. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you're watching this, Linnea, I, I love you. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's a group of like rowdy high schoolers and they go to a haunted house, unfortunately, not with kid and play in it. Uh, and there's a girl, Angela, who's like the, the goth kid. And she decides, hey, would it be fun to do a, a mirrored seance or something like that? And uh, of course, it's Halloween. So it's the night that all the demons can come out and roam the earth. And uh, yeah, demons get loose and they possess the people through kissing and other, other bodily contact and fluids. And there's mayhem and people running amok. And uh, yeah, that's basically Night of the Demons with a great, and I mean a wonderful bookend of the, uh, <laughs> the old man, the cranky old man in the neighborhood who's going to get revenge on all those stupid kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, putting, yeah. Putting razors in the apples and he gets his just desserts, which we can talk oh. about later. That's a, that's a little too that's, early spoiler. That's a part. little spoiled. That's a little too early. Wow. And a dad yeah. pun at that. Good job. Mm -hmm. Now I want ice cream. <laughs> just just inspect the ice cream before you might want to melt it and then refreeze it just to make sure there's nothing in there yeah that might be a good idea that might be and look oh so many people left we had like four people watching and now uh -oh. we've talked about it's because i trashed linnea quigley i get it i understand I, you yeah i mean she i i enjoyed her in this uh you know uh but yeah it's an interesting film cara do you remember when you first saw night of the demons um, I can't remember how old I was. I, I remember I saw it in theater. I was still a little kid. Oh, wow. That's, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I was, would have been, I was 13 when I saw it, but I saw it on uh, cable too. I didn't see it on, uh, in the theater. Uh, but I did see it uh, on cable. Uh, <laughs> so it was cable fodder for quite some time. Uh, and, and I dug it for many reasons, uh, especially reasons a 13-year-old may enjoy this film. Uh, not a martyr. <laughs> it was for the set design. Yeah, it was for the set design. <laughs> 
That is one thing I really dug about this movie is it didn't feel like it was that there was production design. It felt like they actually found, and they might have, I don't know the history of it, but it looked like they found a rundown basement and just put up some like chintzy decorations to make it look all Halloweeny, and then just went for it. I mean, it's a really cool house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good, it's a really cool house and a cool setting. Uh, one of the things is by my son, honorable son, number one, who discovered horror films a number of years ago. Uh, he sat down and started watching it with me. He left and then came back in like 10 or 15 minutes. He's like, oh, okay, things have happened now. Because, uh, <laughs> and he pointed it out. We got into a bit of an argument and then turned to civil discussion uh, because I, uh, it, I, I did a dad card thing. So I, you I slapped him around. No, I didn't know. No, I would know. I Sorry, just, that's, that's my modern. version of that. He used a rolled up newspaper. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm Gen X, man. I used my belt. Damn it. No. <laughs> I, no. Uh, because, yeah, I watching it when I was younger, I think I I enjoyed it more. But it, he did have a valid point. This film takes a little while to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially because you do have your three act thing going on. You have your first act where you get introduced to your characters who he found none of them likable, which I'm like, yeah, okay. But that's don't blame him. You don't blame him. You didn't like any of them either. <laughs> uh, the, I, I forget the guy with the pig snot. Stooge. Snout. Yeah. And some of the other guys were just really obnoxious. Yeah. They were. And the girls were just, cliches the alice girl was okay but i think she was a little too nicey nicey yeah yeah what what about you ian when the first time you saw this that's a good question i mean i think i was probably a preteen and i saw it on cable um i don't think i think it was one of those things where i like snuck downstairs to watch you know after dark stuff after my parents had gone to sleep so i don't know if i ever watched it like start to finish, but I watch it in oh, parts. Sure, and that might account for the for the reason that watching it for the first time really as an adult, I had a completely different experience of the ending. I swear there was a version <laughs> of this film, and maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Mm-hmm. But at the very end, the two final characters are kind of up on this roof, right? Yeah, these, yep. these brick walls and everything. I distinctly remember there there being a scene where they're sitting there, like saying, "Okay, how do we get down?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that must just must just have been uh, my imagination but yeah it, it freaked me out um as a kid and you know there's definitely a difference between watching it when you're 11 or you know 12 or 13 versus watching it as you know 45 yeah. none of this stuff is scary it's funny for different reasons and yeah. wow i talk about unlikable characters that stooge guy when he's yelling at his you know the the girl helen who's like in the car with them or whatever Mm -hmm. he's like calling her a bitch left and right and like there's just i don't even know if it's misogyny because all the characters are just kind of horrible to each other but like these people are like really unpleasant Mm -hmm. that's that's always been slightly the problem not not with just 80s films with horror films in general In, in fact it was part of the problem i had with blair witch and yes, I'm bringing Blair Witch into a discussion with Night of the Demons because I will say that I didn't care for any of the characters in Blair Witch because I looked at them and some of the conflict or the way their personalities are. Now, I remember high school and yeah, you did have clashing personalities that were still kind of not friends, but you hung out with each other because that's who you hung out with. But at the same time, I'm like, 
how why are these people even in the same room together and that was like with these people i'm like what i understand it's like the only party in town and it's a small town i don't i i get that but at the same time i'm like most of these people are just awful to one another and yet they're hanging out you know it kind of reminds me of demon night like it's a whole group of people that you wouldn't think would be in the same room together but they are right yeah i mean like was it the guy jay was the mm -hmm. kind of preppy guy who looked like he showed up in a don johnson costume <laughs> but you don't get the feeling that that was a costume it's like that's probably just how he dresses early deep fake don johnson no, <laughs> there you go there you go um but no it's, it's weird because he ended up I, I had two of these moments watching this movie i'm like where do I know that person from? That was one of them. He was one of the football players in the movie Heathers, mm -hmm. which came out, I think, the year after this. Yeah. And then the girl who played Helen, the one who catches all the abuse from Stooge, she was actually one of the girls on the bus in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 in the beginning that, you know, mm -hmm. Freddy takes them to hell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was, uh, and that was about it for my fascination with those uh, <laughs> characters. So, I, you know, I, I fully get what he was saying with it, but I was like, eh, you know, you you're you like the characters you find the characters tolerable that you're supposed to find tolerable they're the ones you want to survive to the end and it does kind of telegraph it but i'm like i guess for me i didn't notice it as much even though i was watching it now he made a good point and i hadn't really noticed it but then i realized well maybe it's because i grew up with that formula so for me it wasn't as you know it didn't turn me off to it because I was so used to a lot of 80s films having that kind of formula to where you really own the, the person who is the least morally corrupt or the person who is the most likable usually not always, but usually is the one who's going to survive at the end. Well, they, you know, they uh, subverted expectations in two key ways. And I didn't really pick up on this until this morning when I watched it. Uh, the good girl, yeah, she's, you know, the good girl through and through. But early on, we see her changing into her Halloween yeah. costume in her bedroom. She might as well have been fully naked. I mean, she's wearing, like, <laughs> lace underwear, and you can see, like, pretty much everything. But that's the that's the director and the, the camera person saying, hey, look what we got. It's not her, like, overtly sexualizing herself. But we don't usually, you don't see, like, Adrian King from Friday the 13th, like, getting, you know, taking a hot shower or something like that. Um, the closest I think you get in Elm Street is Nancy Thompson, like, changing her shirt at the very end. But then you just kind of see some bare back. But yeah. the other cliche is, uh, yeah, the, the character Roger, I think his name yeah. is, the pirate. Yeah. Uh, the black guy survives to the yes. end. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know when that kind of thing became a trope but i almost feel like kevin tenney and the i think did he he wrote and directed this i believe uh he or did someone else write it no someone else wrote it uh who wrote this uh joe augustine okay uh, maybe joe it. had thought hey i've seen enough of these movies uh this will really surprise some folks because people are going to think oh <laughs> he's going to be the first to go or one of the early deaths but no yeah, it's really nice to see. In fact, the guy who wrote this uh, wrote uh, Night of the Demons 2, which I just finished watching before uh, here. He also wrote uh, a film called Night Angel, but that's all he did. Um, he did work as a production coordinator on Hard Rock Zombies. So, uh, But he didn't do much, just this. But you're right. It is. It does subvert that expectations. And would you say, uh, Cara, that it, it subverts them in a 
uh, a few ways? Did any stand out for you? Uh, I, I think I've probably seen it too many times to where I didn't really notice anything like, oh, I wasn't expecting that or I didn't see anything coming. Probably just more the thing like Roger seemed to be the only guy that really knew what was what. He knew right. how to navigate against the, the demons and all of this other stuff, whereas everybody was just oblivious. And I don't know if that's meant to be like a cultural reference, like to his upbringing. Oh, well, yeah, because he, he grew up with a preacher. He, he comes from a, a stronger religious background than the rest of your characters in here. Um, you know, and yeah, it, it is interesting for his character. And also my son did like him because the minute the weird stuff just started to happen, he's like, I'm out of here. And yeah. my son's like, yes. And he's like, oh, but are they going to, you know, they got stopped by the wall, the demon wall that they, they put up the wall and hid the gate. So he's like, oh, man, he was he was sad at that. But he gave mad props to Roger and uh, the other girl for leaving. They they're, they're They actually left the building, which, again, you don't necessarily see. Usually they get all trapped in there, but the, they were able to at least get out to the outside, not mm -hmm. off the property. But uh yeah, you know, of Hull House, which the story, the legend of Hull House is uh, it's a uh, former mortuary and the residents there, the family that ran it, uh, killed one of their members, kind of Amityville style, uh, killed all the family members and then tried and then aced themselves. And so it was haunted from that demonic uh, possession. And it's got a uh, circle underground river running through it that we know demons can't cross running water yeah because it's a purifier yep yeah and, and but it's underground i always thought that was interesting that they got away with it by saying well the river's underground <laughs> i'm like okay i'll buy it sure uh <laughs> but there's hey, more we, there was science there was a stethoscope there was a stethoscope i couldn't talk <laughs> It is a hard word to say. Yeah, there is a stethoscope involved uh, when they listen to the running water. So, which it was interesting because the guy played in the doctor costume because they're having this Halloween party at this haunted house. And he's dressed as a doctor and he calls the girl over with the stethoscope. And you think maybe he's trying to put the move on her or something. He's like, no, here, listen, underground. And she's like, running water. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a running river underneath this entire thing. And I'm like. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like he's, he's not just trying to put the moves on her. So, uh, yeah, it, you, you got Stooge. You got all of this. You got your goth girl, Angela, who has her friend, played by Linnea Quigley, uh, Suzanne, who, uh, you know, what's interesting with their characters, I will say is, and uh, you, could, you, you guys could definitely uh, add, you know, what you thought of these two characters because I thought it was interesting that they weren't actually ones who were trying to raise the dead or whatever, you know, cause usually, okay, they're inviting everybody over specifically to do the demonic rising or whatever. But I got the impression they were just having people over to have a scary party in this haunted house of uh, that. They weren't actually there to raise the demons. The demons kind of just uh, got loose uh, at one point, you know, uh, did you get that impression that they weren't luring these kids there to actually like sacrifice them or whatever? They were just having the party at the haunted house or uh, am I off on that? I don't think Suzanne was caught up in that. Right. I mean, she and Angela were friends, but I don't know. It is kind of 
fuzzy because it was the one girl who was like the girlfriend of the doctor character. I don't remember half these characters' names, right. but she was the one who had said, hey, I'd heard about these mirror seances. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was, yeah, that's Helen saw the demon face in the mirror, so maybe that's what inspired them. But yeah, you're right. I had kind of thought of this as Angela's you know, night because she's like the iconic face on the, the poster and everything. Right. And, you know, she kind of ends up becoming the queen bee at the end. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they were, they're meant to be like trapping these, you know, sacrifices in the house or anything. I think it was just a sad coincidence. Yeah. Uh, that's the way I felt. Cara, what about you? Did, did you get the impression of that as well? That it was just kind of a, a unfortunate series of events. <laughs> I I would agree with that. I mean, especially considering Angela was the goth chick and that's her party. Yes. It's kind of like, I have to make a statement here. So it's like, what am I going to do to shock and impress any, everybody and make sure they go to school telling what happened? Right. And they do the mirror thing just because it's kind of like the Bloody Mary, stand in front of a mirror and get Bloody Mary, see who gets scared. It might not actually happen, uh, but people will imagine it would. And little does she know that there's actual real demons in this house uh, until... One of them decides to take her over, which uh, we'll get into a minute, but I want to dive into these uh, comments here. First, we have Petty back. She says, hello. Uh, very good movie. Discovered a jewel that uh, I didn't know existed, and I enjoyed it. And that's great to hear, Petty. So makes me so happy when people uh, explore these films as well and, and enjoy them. Uh, and uh, yes, the, we do have the published list of movies out that Petty suggested which helped. And uh, Petty also writes, it's funny how time flies. A few years ago, I would have identified with the protagonist, but now I identify more with the grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do too. I like the grumpy mm -hmm. old man. He's kind of a surprise character in here. You think they're going to be, it's more, it's just the gimmick of the car driving past and he, you know, damn kids. And that's it. You know, but we actually stay on him for a little while, don't we, Kara? That's a little bit of a surprise for a character like this, isn't it? Well, you can kind of have to justify at the beginning why he's grouchy. Everybody keeps running into him. <laughs> They're doing all this stuff. He's not bothering anybody. And then poor Alice turns up, and she's actually trying to help her. And he's like, sod off. I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. you're breaking my plan of sticking razor blades into, into apples. Uh, which definitely was a thing in the eighties. Uh, that yeah. was, that was one of the big things is if you get fruit or so, cause someone actually did that. I think it was on the East coast or somewhere. Uh, they actually did. There were people putting razor blades in like candy and apples and such. Uh, I remember that as a kid, but we still check the candy to this day. Yeah. Well, you just do that so you could see which ones you like to eat. And then, no, just kidding. I, no, I'm doing my job as a responsible parent, Mark. I don't even eat the candy. I hate candy. Candy's disgusting. You got any? Sorry. Um, wow. <laughs> Your kid definitely loves you then. <laughs> no parent no, um, no parent tax there. Oh, that's, um, that's hard for me. I'm a total sugar bug. And I oh, was. Yeah, I, I'm kidding. I even have like the. Growing up, I thought I had the best birthday because I was born the day before Halloween. So I would get presents one day and then oh. I would get to dress up and get candy the next day. Wow, oh. that is awesome. You could still do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why, why do kids get to have all the fun and, and go get candy door to door? Maybe because it's not quite as creepy as you showing up. Hi, <laughs> trick or treat. <laughs> like, get... I think nowadays if, if you show up dressed 
and knock on doors asking for candy, you're asking for way more trouble than just candy. <laughs> Depending on the neighborhood, yeah. Uh <laughs> And uh, Petty also wrote us, uh, this movie is faithful demonstration that you can have a diverse cast and not ruin the movie. The movie mm-hmm. is what it is, but it is very enjoyable. That is true, even with the characters. And we were we were chiding earlier that the characters are unlikable. Uh, mostly, I mean, they're they're very tropish and, and kind of one note, okay, that you're going to get in a horror film like this. But it's still entertaining. This film, mm-hmm. they still manage to make it entertaining. You're absolutely right. Um, and it, it is the dynamic that they don't exactly like each other uh, throughout the film. And I think that helps. I mean, at one hand, you're like, why are these people hanging out with each other? They don't like one another. At the other hand, it makes for some interesting situations like Stooge just annoying the piss out of everyone. <laughs> you know, and then you have your two two happy couples, the one couple that uh, with the the virginal. A girl and the guy who really wants to get with her because supposedly when she dated this other guy who's got a reputation she slept with him and she's like uh yeah that's none of your business but that's why you went out with me then this wonderful scene on top of a uh uh uh, was it an autopsy table (laughs) that's the thing it's like okay all these actors are like 25 28 Mm -hmm. 30 years old you know, if they had gone, if they'd skewed younger in the casting, I think I might have believed that because I could buy them as like an extremely horny teenager who will literally do it anywhere. But I'm like, there's no, I, I couldn't, no. Oh, come on. You have I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get too graphic, but there's no way I could get excited like in a haunted house. I don't care well, how cute the Alice that, costume is. Those metal tables are very cold. There's nothing doing. <laughs> Unless it's like uh, Slaughter High, where the uh, the metal table is actually an electric table, yeah, running through you while you're doing it, yeah. Was that a, <laughs> was that a table or was that just a metal bedposts in Slaughter High? I think. Uh, uh yeah, that's right. It was metal bed. It was metal bedposts. Yeah. Bed I remember that scene in Slaughter High because they're really, really into what they were doing in the bed, and then he puts the two because it was a car battery. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> don't think too deeply Eddie he electrocutes the uh, bed with it yeah and here there's no electrocution bed but there is a guy who gets shot down after uh, our uh, heroine decides that uh, yeah she, she she doesn't want anything to do with him because he's only going out with her because he he thinks she she puts out for lack of a better term for back in the 80s he probably walked past her house and saw her undergarments while she was getting undressed yeah that seems to happen yeah yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean we, also have, we also have that bodacious scene from from her kid brother, which I don't that was really weird. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up, folks. Early on in this film, uh, Judy is her actual name, but she is dressed up as Alice. And I called her Alice throughout the entire film, too. She's um, she's getting ready. And this is. Okay, mind you, this is after she's taken off her, her pants scene. She left her sweater on, but she takes off her, her pants and puts on different pants. She opens up her closet, and her brother jumps out in a mask. And you're like, oh, okay, brother playing a prank. That is, but then he adds the comment. <laughs> he, he, he says, you have, was it bodacious boobs or something? <laughs> You afraid I'm going to see your bodacious boobs? Sis? Or no, he says, like, nice bodacious boobs, sis. Or he gives a very awkward statement that you're just like, that's 
weird. So does the rest of her family. Well, her mom anyway, too. <laughs> oh, with the with the, the turd cookies or whatever they were. Yeah, those things were gross. And she was so offended. She's like, "Why do you? Why don't you want my shit cookies?" <laughs> You know, I, I also love because I'm glad you brought that the thing up with the little brother because like it's soon after that I think that the Sal character shows up yeah. behind like the blue yeah. jean jacket. I was Mr. wondering Rico is Suave. Mr. Rico Suave, yeah. Right, but I was wondering, is everyone in this film gonna talk like they're in the Ninja Turtles cartoon? Is like you got some bootacious boobs. And then Sal's like, you know, hey, up your nose with a rubber hose. I think, he, I think he actually uses the word doll face. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah. I know this movie was written in 1988, but I feel like the screenwriter like grew up in 1958. I'm like, nobody talks like this. Well, I mean, he even had the greaser hairdo going on as well. And he didn't have a leather jacket, but he had a jean jacket. So there you go. That was the 80s equivalent. Oh, yeah, yeah Sal, he's the ex who still uh, is somewhat pining for her, but... Um, Wait, was that the ex that yeah. Jimmy was with? Oh, yeah. I, I barely picked up on yeah, that. Yeah, because that's Sal, and, and that's why her the, her current boyfriend uh, said that, yeah, well, we all know you, you went out with Sal, and they know Sal's reputation, and, you know, they just, it, it was one of those interesting... Equi- they assumed. Yeah, it was an equivalency thing, and you're just like, oh, dude, that's the wrong conclusion to make. I'd rather, I just want to see a movie about, like, judy and sal's date like what was that like yeah probably oh, boring he, boring for them i'm sure but i would they love to watch it they went bowling <laughs> 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 well she had a good time he just kept on sitting there you know thinking about you know when he was going to get his opportunity uh that was his whole thing and then you had your other couple who were the pretty couple who uh did get along and they, they do have shared experiences because they decide, hey, I've never made it in a coffin before. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, nothing, you look at a coffin, nothing about a coffin goes, oh, man, I haven't done it there before. <laughs> but I just them, kept thinking about I, the movie I, I Once Bitten. On what 18-year-old has a boob job? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's. Uh, yeah, well, I don't, don't think there was an age restriction back in the 80s. I'm not sure, or at least I think it was 16 instead of like 18 or 21 it is now. But you're right. Uh, well, that goes along with the casting of these characters, that they're playing the age that they aren't by by a number of years. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it was, uh, might have been two years after this movie, that same actress who was the girlfriend in the coffin, she showed up in... Uh, Sleepaway Camp Three, Teenage mm-hmm. Wasteland, playing essentially the same thing. Was she, she was the the hot Asian Asian troubled chick who takes off her top, and is quickly murdered. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> if it's a proud storied resume. <laughs> she, you know, if uh, I don't remember her, I remember the the mosquito bites at the beginning that with the pen written on her. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, uh, milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember that. I love that mosquito bites. It took me a second. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, <laughs> and they, most of these people do get, get off in creative ways, which I like to talk about because we get the first act, like I said, which is your introduction to all these characters. And you're like, most of them, uh, okay, some annoying. Then they get together into the party, which isn't exactly a great party. Uh, you know, we get introduced to Suzanne and Angela, who... Uh, Suzanne is uses her 
assets to help distract some convenience store gentlemen so that they could steal alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the sour balls line was just hilarious. It was that that's the director's cut. Uh, originally in the theatrical cut, apparently that was cut out the sour balls scene. Uh. Was it too risque for yeah. this movie? <laughs> I, I, I guess. I don't... But I, I get it, though. I'm like, I, I remember that was a pretty big candy or, or gum that yeah, people would, would chew back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it I, took me back as well to all those. That now and laters. Those were huge back then when I was a kid in my neighborhood. Um, it's a great line that it, was uh, completely destroyed by the delivery. Hey, do you guys have sour balls? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was holding back. I I know you. I know you were, but I enjoyed that. I I, I liked her performance in this. I mean, well, I mean, there's there's really no way you could have asked. Uh, you could have sold hot tamales or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's not the line. It's, it's the, the delivery. delivery for him. It's not delivery. It's the journal. But no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Now I'm hungry again. There you go. I ate DiGiorno last night, actually. Oh, did you really? (laughs) Now I want DiGiorno. Seriously. (laughs) Let's take a break and bake some pizza. We'll come back. We're going to take a pizza bake break. There you go. Well, we'll Uh, just order it and we'll go pick it up. We'll do take and bake. There you go. There you go. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I got got one two, two, two blocks down, a take and bake place. But... <laughs> there is no bake in this. That's what's surprising. It's a 1980s eight film. You've got teenagers at a party. No one's getting high. You don't have your stoner here. You you you, you got have booze, right? Yeah, that's they got booze. Is, yeah, but how many actually drink the booze? I think Stooge drinks the booze, but most of the people don't yeah. even drink the drinks that they bought. Uh, which I just realized now <laughs> that most of the people stayed fairly sober during it. Uh. Yeah, so that I just realized that that they were drunk on teenage hormones. They were drunk on teenage hormones. There was a lot of teenage hormones. So you had your one couple with the guy and uh, the girl who isn't going to have sex with him, and then you have the couple that do have sex, and then you got your your uh, Roger. We as we mentioned left, and uh, the other girl left leaves Stooge and the two ladies, uh, Suzanne and Alice, and Suzanne goes off uh, and. Uh, yeah, she she kind touches of touches up her makeup. <laughs> she touches up her makeup in a <laughs> in a creative way. Uh, <laughs> and then stars her lipstick in an unusual place, uh, which you know I dug. I, I what I love about the seat is just that it's so odd and creepy. You know the 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 way it's set up and everything and the way they come out because she ends up getting possessed by uh, the demon after it possesses Angela, who uh, actually, I just, like I said, started finish. I just have to finish up. I, I almost finished it before the show started night of the demons too. And they actually have a little explanation of the kissing thing of the demons. What, what kind of causes the possession? Uh, it's, it's more than just a kiss. Uh, but uh, I'll get into it a little later, but is it, is it, is it a direct sequel to this movie yes. or is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Night of the Demons 2 is a direct sequel to this. I mean, I enjoy it a lot more. It has a lot more funnier points. It moves at a quicker pace. I think Christy Brinkley's in it. Whoa. Night of the Demons. I gotta watch this now. Night of the Demons 2 
is a bit it has more of its tongue in its cheek but at the same time it does move a lot more there are far more exploitation elements in it it came out in 94 i mean a lot more like huh oh no sorry i was gonna say my favorite scene was the severed head in the commode there's a girl that's running up to the toilet and she she opens up the lid and he's like what do you want i'm like well the obvious Yeah, uh, Night of the Demons 2 gets pretty gonzo, but there you have some uh, religious folks who, who bring the battle to the demons. It's it's this whole wild thing, but it is a direct sequel to this film, which it, surprisingly, yeah, there are some more entertaining parts. It is definitely faster paced than this one, because as we said, folks, things don't really get picked up until the third act in Night of the Demons, but boy, do they pick up. Once Angela gets possessed, she does this interpretive dance type thing going on. With uh, warning, folks, if you do suffer from seizures, don't watch this film because there is two strobe scenes in here that I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) Oh, turn off the strobe, man. I know it's the 80s, but wow. (laughs) It's, you know, it it reminded me of the Crispin Glover dance scene from Friday the 13th final chapter. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine if she, like, I feel like she had just watched that movie before the party started and said, I can do that and get (laughs) and be possessed by spirits. Yeah, but uh, uh, he he didn't have garter belts on and black undergarments. So thank God for a small miracle. (laughs) I I don't know. It might have saved his dance. It might have. It might have saved his dance. She'd pull a little bit of a Tim Curry there. There you go. Angela pulls it pulls off this dance far better, and that's when we actually get things going. Is when she possesses Stooge with a kiss, uh, a, a deadly kiss that uh, turns him into a zombie, uh, and he's the first victim. Uh, and, and then Suzanne is the next one, I do believe, who yeah fixes her makeup as in she creates this really weird pattern on her face. It's a very creepy scene. I I, I know you were given. Uh, Lene's performance a hard time, but I like, I like the. She was she great, was but you know, every time she was on screen, I was like, "Wow, this is great!" And then she sp- spoke, and I was like, "It's all ruined." <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the makeup scene, and it's it, it's interesting uh, what they did with this scene. Carl, what did you think of this whole scene where she's in and she's fixing her makeup? She's full on possessed. She's got the clown paint with her makeup, and. Uh, Alice's boyfriend, Judy's boyfriend, has just been shot down, and he walks in on her. And, uh, yeah, things get interesting. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of this scene, and particularly what she does with the lipstick? I I thought it was freaky back in the day. Why why on earth you would just turn your boob into a kangaroo pouch? I have no idea, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but it's, it's one of the many... Interesting practical effects they do on here because I will say for 88 and for the type of film this is, I love all the practical and makeup effects they do mm-hmm. in this film. Uh, even as my son called it, the Dungeons and Dragons dragon head that we get. That's the <laughs> demon. <laughs> He's like, oh, the D&D dragon's back. <laughs> Which it did, but I really dug the makeup effects in here. All of them, including the one where she decides to to hide the lipstick in in one of her 
breasts for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, it's a demon. What are you going to do? Which that lipstick does come into play in De Night of the Demons too later on, by the way. Yeah. Does she take it back out? Uh, it's No, it's in a medicine cabinet and somebody applies the lipstick. Yeah. It's the same. How do we know it's the same one? Well, it's designed the same way. The, the, the lipstick case is the same. So it's designed like lipstick. What? It's the same one. It's in the demon house. It's in the demon house in the medicine cabinet. Angela's in the demon house. Same lipstick. You can draw the the, the conclusion that it's How there. How to get out of her body? I oh my god! I, Why do you ask so many questions? Just she, she tooted. I don't know. I, she she I, did. I, the demons did die at the end of this. You know, in our wonderful chase that we have here, because as people are getting picked off, they're becoming zombies, and they they are chasing. Are uh, Judy around and Roger, who can't get out of uh, anywhere uh, because the the wall is all the way around the house, and they go on a run, and and she does become the hero, and she does become the hero at the end of this film. I mean, she she is Miss Innocent, kind of damsel in distress, but she does kind of pull off the 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 hero at the end, doesn't she, Ian? It's a team effort. Yeah, I mean, because she's almost dead meat when they uh, discover the, you know, the wall. The only way up to safety is a thin strand of barbed wire. Oof. And yeah. Roger gets up to the top, and he's like, got he's you know lean. He's laying down against the top of the wall, mm -hmm. extending his hand to like reach Judy, and she's trying to get up. There's hordes of monsters coming after her, and I will say, I mean, this this part really. They didn't even really show a whole lot and they didn't need to because once you realize what she's climbing up on, you're like, oh, my God, that's that's a choice right there. Um, you know, you almost you almost couldn't blame her. if She's, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to fall back into this <laughs> crowd of monsters. Um, but no, it's it's a really effective mm -hmm. uh, little scene there. I, I do want to rewind just for yeah. a second. Talk about that lipstick thing. This was another artifact of my youth because I remember distinctly. Uh, when I was 11 or 12 watching this on cable, that scene with Suzanne and Jay, I remembered her like having sex with him, like getting on top, gouging out his eyeballs. Which and is then, a wonderful effect. Yeah, there's a great, great couple of pops there. But after that, I remember, and I just got the events mixed up of her taking the lipstick and like putting it in her nipple and then like, leaving. oh, I got you. And I, I think my imagined version is it's much better because <laughs> uh, yeah, when, when she puts it on and then he walks in the room, I'm like, no, nah, this is all wrong. <laughs> but you do get a great effect of her popping his eyes as she, she starts oh. getting it on with him because he's like, Oh, Hey, I can have sex with someone. Finally. Yeah. You know, the makeup's a little weird, but we'll work with it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that guy was possessed by his own penis. I he, mean, that's he was. like it was, before anything got it, into him. It was a, oh, and then it's like uh, later, the some great Freddy Krueger puns in here, like, uh, "Hey, Judy, here's your blind date." I'm like, <laughs> 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 what are we doing here? You want to have an orgy? Uh, you know, so she, she drops that line too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we got some Petty comments here as well. Uh, Petty mentions that in Argentina, we don't have a celebration of Halloween. Oh, here we uh, know the concept in broad strokes, but I always had the doubt of the meaning of the celebration. 
is basically is only reduced to asking for candies from house to house or does it have a deeper implication uh, you can see some of this in the movie but left wondering if it's an exaggeration in order to comply with the script um no it's uh Ah, well, the, the, the trick-or-treat part of it, and I'm sure my panel here, far more versed in stuff like this than myself, uh, but the candy was offered to prevent someone from doing a trick to your house. And the, the, the tradition of that, I think, does lead to demons, like just like the jack-o'-lantern. Uh, someone help me out here. I, 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 I never really followed this stuff. I mean, that that's the only thing I know about Halloween is you go to door to door and say trick or treat, but I've never known of someone to say, I'll, you know, I'll take a trick. It's always like you just say trick or treat in order to get the candy and then you move on to the next house. And then sometimes people have Halloween parties where you just get dressed up and you drink and it's an excuse to show off your costumes and yeah, maybe fool around in a back bedroom somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's actually, um, it's modernized because this comes from all Hallow's Eve. So Halloween is just kind of, that's where you get the apostrophe. They just kind of mishmashed the word and that's where Halloween comes from. But it's uh, considered one of the nights where the veil is the thinnest, where ghouls and all kinds of other things can, can roam the earth. So that's why people wear costumes to guise themselves as protection. Um, I'm not really sure where the candy comes in. That's more of a modernized thing that mm. was thrown in. You gotta have something to put the razors in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do remember from a, a yes, I learned from movies more than reading because I know that's a surprise to our audience. But uh, there was, you know, the whole jack o' lantern thing too was to ward off evil spirits, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you put the the light in the candle and you made the scary face so it would keep demons yeah. in such a way. From yeah, it's house. to light your way. You're not supposed to let it go out throughout the night. Right. Originally, it was a turnip and not a pumpkin. Oh, really? That's got to be harder to carve. Yeah. I would, I, I would think a turnip, and you need a smaller candle. Unless you're right. growing some, like, Three Mile Island turnips, like some <laughs> serious, like, you know. Uh, I've been crossbreeding turnips for ages. I've made one the size of a basketball now. which. And then someone's like, well, I'll just use pumpkins. And you're like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> They're easier to cut into. They, they are easy to cut into, which we and don't. They make, they make better pies. The they do. They do make better pies. We don't get any uh, jack-o'-lanterns in this, though, that either. That's that's disappointing, at least in the house at all. Though you don't need it because, as you said, Ian, this house is amazing. I don't know how big this house is, but this set design that they have, um, I love this house. It was its own character, and it was very fitting for you could see demons living here. I mean, it was like, it was, I don't know how many of the cobwebs were dressed up and how many came with the place where they were location scouting. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, well, you know, one of the things I, th I thought was cool about this was, you know, we talked about Doctor Strange last mm -hmm. week or whatever, but um, I saw a lot of Sam Raimi in this movie. Yes. And I know Evil Dead, Evil mm -hmm. Dead 2 had come out the year before and Evil Dead 1 was, you know, a few years before that. But, I mean, everything from, like the, the demon kind of POV is it's sort of an invisible force floating around trying to figure out who it's going to go into to even that kind of puppet demon head that we saw with the with the mist and everything uh, and some of the crazy camera work. I'm like, yeah, this is I, I don't know if Kevin Tenney was legit a Sam Raimi fan, but he might as well have been because this is really fun and not even in a and in, in, this is more of a pure kind of a horror movie vibe, whereas, you know, Evil Dead 2 certainly was was horror comedy. 
Yeah, I mean there there is there is a bit of uh, horror comedy in here um, with it, uh, you know, the, but not too much. It didn't feel like too slapstick comedy. There is some some horror comedy in here, I think. Well, I mean, there's. <sighs> There's comedy, but I mean, as far as like the characters like being terrible to each other, but as far as like the demonic elements, like the horror was not set up to be funny. Even the lipstick thing was more meant to be kind of disturbing. It's like, what the hell am I even looking at? Right. (laughs) Now, the fact that you can tell that was the same lipstick in the sequel, that to me is funny. Well, you've, you've got to pay attention to the lipstick and not where the lipstick is going, Ian. So I'm just saying, you know. Uh, <laughs> but implied. <laughs> Look, here's the only the only way that works. The only way that works is if someone is applying the lipstick and a fucking nipple falls out from between their lips. Uh, exactly. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I have thought you were going to say if a ring fell out, actually. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> or the or the lipstick starts squirting milk in there. <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, you you went there with the gore, which there is gore in here, as we mentioned. There's eyes popping. There's there's lipstick being kept places. Uh, lipstick gouging. Lipstick eye gouging. Eye gou- Yeah, uh, tongue biting. Uh, in the beginning with Stooge, which I really I I thought was cool. Um, the coffin slamming of the arm. Oh yes. <laughs> And the fact that that isn't even paid off until like two scenes later, I thought was great because like I didn't even know that he was gonna de- like sever the arm. I just thought he was gonna break it and shove it in there so he could be you know locked in there with his neck broken girlfriend. Right. Ugh. Which which they both when they come back uh, possessed, uh, they are at least still missing his. He's still missing his limb and her neck is still backwards, which I really enjoyed. Again, great makeup effects because these are all practical effects they have in here. His girlfriend's neck is like really twisted and he's walking around with no arm at all his arm is alive which again it's another evil dead reference that's right i really think you're onto it because his severed arm later we don't realize it actually got severed when the uh, stooge demon uh kept slamming the uh, case on it uh until later when uh judy shows up and then uh yeah the arm comes out and grabs her ankle in a Uh, really effective really cool way yeah yeah i mean i i was watching like damn that i i couldn't tell because the the way that they filmed it you just see like her leg like it jumps onto her leg and i think she's kind of shaking it off Mm -hmm. so that felt like it could have been like an effects team insert like that wasn't actually the actress that was someone like with a leg with a stocking on it or something Mm -hmm. but i was still like how the hell did they do that was it reversed or you know strings Mm -hmm. or wires or whatever but it was very convincing it's kind of like that annoying little dog, like, get away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much yeah, so. Well, very much so. Well, even the eye-popping scene. I mean, the guy's screaming on it. and the, I know it's a quick cut in that, but still, the way they did this prosthetics and it's all with the lighting and stuff, for a second there, you're like, oh, she popped his eye. And you're like, oh, wait, no, that is prosthetic. But just the way they direct that scene. And in fact, all the, the gory kill scenes that we get in here, I think, are directed really well. I mean, uh, you know, especially the tongue biting with Stooge. They kind of do this, again, kind of Raimi-esque camera movement where it's going around uh, Stooge and Angela. She's gnawing on his face and then comes out and and her face is bloody. And then you're like, oh, and then she spits the tongue out. I know it's a cut between, but still, it's just all really well done. Um, And Sal even gets a redemption moment in here. Sal, who was, you know 
still kind of pining for our Judy and, and also leering at uh, Suzanne and, and Angela and pretty much any any of the females in the group. Uh, he does get a redemption thing at the end because he takes on Angela, who's chasing our uh, Judy, who's hanging from the edge of a uh, of the house as she got chased to the top. And Sal grabs Angela and jumps off the roof and proceeds to get impaled. Uh <laughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't actually see him get impaled, Mm-mm. right? We saw him fall, but then, like, later it's in a wide shot. You see him kind of in the background, and then later after that we see the pull through, which is another really great effect, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, because she finally jumps down because Roger's at the bottom uh, telling her, just scooch over and drop down, and when she drops down, then we see what happened to Sal. So, yeah, it's another interesting choice they make to where we don't see Sal get off right away so it almost makes you think they do the whole oh oh man i fell through the you know he gets up and you know dust him no he gets impaled by a fence piece oh <laughs> or he could have done the the Wee herman from buffy the vampire slayer oh, like, like, uh, <laughs> god i love that scene <laughs> But you don't get that in here. Uh, but yeah, you get this wonderful chase. At one point, they're trapped in a crematorium. And it's hilarious because I, I, I found myself, and I could just imagine myself in an audience doing this. They get tra- chased by the zomb- by the uh, demons, excuse me, uh, down into the, the basement and there's in the crematorium. And she's like, oh, look, there's the f- one open door. We can go through this tunnel. And I'm like, it's... It's not a tunnel. Don't go in the don't don't go in the oven. Don't go. Yeah, and then she's all surprised. It's an oven. Yeah, I'm like. There's a skull in here. <laughs> you do realize you're in a mortuary. Yeah, right. You're in a mortuary in the basement. Big, huge iron door, and then your hand happens to grab a skull, which took you a while to look at it to identify it. Going, ew. Uh, <laughs> But she does use and make a makeshift flamethrower. So mad props to her there in uh, uh, setting fire to at least two of the demons. Uh, Realistically, and- though, it took so long to get the lighter to, to yeah. actually turn on. She should have blown up the entire room. That's that's yeah. I had that thought too for, but I'm like that. That's a lot of gas to be letting out before you actually light it. Uh, you usually want to light the lighter first and then turn. <laughs> Not that we're giving people ideas. Not no, not only if you're being chased by demons, folks. Yes. If you're being chased by demons, trapped in a crematorium, uh, turn the gas off on the pipe first. Break the pipe and then turn. You know, light your bic lighter and then turn on the gas. That is the proper way to really do that. Only but a scorch lighter is more reliable because it'll right it's electric, so it'll just turn right on the first try. Oh, there you go, scorch lighter. Yeah, rather than trying to do the bic lighter, which. It's a setup. It's not even, you know, it's it's a little bit more subtle foreshadowing than what you might get out of a film like this. I mean, you know, it's going to come into play, but she has this lighter that can't light when she's trying to light candles and she just Mm -hmm. puts it on the table and Angela goes, don't litter. I'm like, just sitting here going, I'm like, (laughs) don't leave your lighter laid about. I'm like, really? You're going to be that person at the party? Really? (laughs) Explains why she doesn't have any friends. Yeah, well, then her one friend says, I'll just leave it. And she's like, no, because she's that good. She won't leave her lighter at the party as, you know, garbage for the party people. And then it comes into play later when she can light the 
makeshift blowtorch. And yeah, then we get to the end where Roger and her live, which again is kind of a surprise seeing Roger live in a wonderful way. I, it made me very happy and I had forgotten that Roger lives at the end of this, um, you know, uh, not unscathed because not only were they climbing up barbed wire, which I don't know, for me, anything with barbed wire, whatever I see it, it just makes me flinch. It's like that's the one horror gimmick that no matter how many times I run across it, just like, ah, maybe it's because I've had too many run ins with barbed wire. <laughs> and it was one of the worst comic book adaptations like ever. I mean, come on. <laughs> they didn't even try. Well, well, no, they were going for Casablanca post-apocalyptic. Come on, that's that's what she was. She was she was the Humphrey Bogart in that film. <laughs> she got it the was humps a part. demon death match with barbed wire. There you go. Mm. There you go. Uh, but yeah, and then at the end we saw our two heroes there just beat to hell walking down the street. <laughs> I love that too. How you know? There's not really a huge fanfare or anything. They just. They walk, uh, the sun came out. They managed to delay the demons enough to, when the sun comes out, it destroys them, which they don't really give you an exposition, but you piece together because they mentioned something about, Roger mentioned something about waiting till daylight, but. Yeah. But well, I, yeah. And that's, oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, I was going to say, I, I like the old man's reaction when he sees him. He's like, goddamn kids. And they do. They look like they just got back from a wild party that they've been out all night. They're totally trash. <laughs> yeah, right? And then, well, yeah, go ahead, Ian. Well, I was going to say, like, the these, because I think it was Judy gave this kind of soliloquy about, you know, surviving the night based yeah. on what Roger had said. But I was surprised that they didn't make more of the running water gag because they kind of set that whole thing up, as we mentioned, like with the stethoscope and... They make a big deal about how demons can't cross running water, and that was just pointless. They had nothing to do with the way that the demons were defeated at the end. No, um, but I think they kept iterating it just so that it would emphasize the fact that the demons aren't going to escape. You know, they aren't going to see them in the real world if they can get past the running water. I think that's the whole point of the running water was, you know, the way they bring it up is just to remind you, hey, they do have an out of some sort um, because the demons can't follow them more so than defeating demons, just them escaping more so than them ending the demons. But that's why the lipstick case comes into play in the second film. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly why it does. Now I've got a lipstick case. I'm which, so, I'm confused. Which, if you do watch Night of the Demons 2, there's another Raimi reference in that 1994 sequel that involves the lipstick case. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Does someone get their arm cut off in that too, and they replace it with a mechanical arm? No, can, like, unfortunately, squash no, things? that that no. does not ha happen in there. Um, no, I, I. But yeah, like Roger and Judy walking, you know, home in the in the dawn uh, was nice because they're in complete shock. They're not like bantering, like, "Well, I guess I'll see you in school next week" or something like that. They're just totally in shock, and they walk past the old man, and that leads nicely into that. Uh, the wonderful stinger ending. yeah <laughs> which if it was made today it would have probably been an after credit sequence you know it would have probably been a yeah. mid credit sequence you know you would have just he would have just said damn kids and they walk off and you do the credits and then you get like a mid credits yeah. where he's making but we don't get that here we get this wonderful just and that's what i love about the way this movie ends too i love this ending because where they could have just rolled credits as they're walking down the street all beat to hell in shock 
we get this little thing to where the old man didn't get many trick-or-treaters and he had slept in a bit and his wife a very nice friendly wife who probably has been knowing what he's been up to said oh and yeah putting I've... up with his mess for years <laughs> and putting up with his misogyny and everything for years because he doesn't treat her very well uh yeah she makes apple pie out of his razor blade apples which is a beautiful scene at the end too with the razors coming through the throat uh, as you realize it's a great cre it's a great uh tales from the crypt moment it's like mm -hmm. such a tales from the crypt ending it's it's always thrown me off though like i don't get why because i've always imagined that she she did it on purpose yeah and that's that's what i took it to with her smile because at the end she just gives him a kiss and she's smiling and, and, and blood there's there's no thing to where she thinks he fell asleep in his pie she knows yeah yeah he's completely slumped over and everything uh, but to... she's what 80 70 why wait until now why didn't you kill him when you were like 30 and you could have found a, a better husband <laughs> well she's know. in for the, she's in it for the long game that's the whole thing she's played she the played long the long <laughs> she played the long con yeah <laughs> um I have I, I love the ending of this, but again, it makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> it it's November. It's no. It's November first. All right, in the morning, and you're eating apple pie for breakfast. Well, yeah, I eat pie for breakfast. If I've got pie, I'll eat pie for breakfast. I'm an adult. I can do what I want. Damn it, I can go buy ice cream whenever I want, and I can eat pie for breakfast in the morning. I'm I'm guilty. I've had chocolate cake for breakfast before. <laughs> There you go. Why not? Where, who says no, it has to be, well, you know. I understand if you're like hanging out by yourself and you're just like, oh, I'll just have some pie for breakfast. This is like you get the feeling that she makes breakfast for him. Yeah. So, you know, that's not a thing like, hey, I made you some pie for breakfast. What the hell is wrong with you? It, maybe if it was like an apple coffee cake or something like that. But the other thing is, when these razors come out, they're like the full razors. There's no way he would have been able to eat a bite of anything without noting, noticing, noticed. hey, there's there's metal in here. It should it should have cut him a little bit sooner. Exacto blades would have probably been a little easier oh, to sneak in. Exacto blades. There, there was uh, now this would have been the really long game. But the TV show Oz about uh, about the men's prison from yeah. 25 years ago, there was an episode where there was the big mob boss who was in the joint and some rival gang members wanted to kill him so what they did was they ground up glass really mm. fine into mm. his food like yeah. minuscule so that, like over the course of a couple of weeks it built up and it just like shredded his insides yeah. i feel like if you did something like that it wouldn't have been as cool but you can pull it off i was gonna say it's still a cool effect though the razor blades and that it's a cool effect i was just yeah. saying it just like doesn't it when i was 11 it didn't bother me because i think that's that's who yeah. this movie was made for honestly but uh as it's, i'm watching it, like no there's no way it's plus pie for breakfast come on i mean i i get the razor blade <laughs> reference he's he's a cranky old man he's yeah. getting what he deserves but it just it still throws me off like why you're such a sweet old lady <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a dark side, apparently. Um, and Maybe the he thing, rubbed off on her. I don't know. Right, and the thing is, her dark side isn't like demon infested or anything involved in influenced a demon. It's just she smiles as she kisses his head as he's bleeding out under her doilies. Um, you know, so it is a bit random. I still love it. I think it's adorable. Good luck claiming on the insurance, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, Doing great is if she opened up her blouse and like pulled a lipstick out of her nipple and oh my, it, oh. like right as she before she gave him a kiss on the that, head. That would have actually been kind of an interesting connection. Then that would have at least a little connection of why 
she did what she did, but uh, he's still got his... She's an old lady, though. I would have probably had to pop out like a Pez dispenser because we don't want to look at that area for too long. (laughs) Now I just want to see a nipple-shaped Pez dispenser. (laughs) And on to our comments here from our viewers. Yeah, sorry, where was I? Petty puts it, Roger ends up being the only hero of the movie because he manages to overcome his fears and save the girl in distress. Good for you, Roger. You are actually correct, yes, because he does go back up the wall. He actually makes it over the wall, and she's still hanging by the barbed wire and getting grabbed by uh, the demons, and he actually goes back up there. He does conquer his fears because he's been the guy who's been most afraid throughout the entire film, really. Uh, and yeah, you're right. He is, he is truly the hero and she's got a great, uh, Petty's got a great, uh, comment as well here. Uh, can the store scene be considered offensive or harmless given the context? Could it be reproduced in a movie today? Cara, what do you think? And we're talking to Linnea Quigley, distracting the two nerdy, uh, convenience store guys as her friend steals the entire store. I missed the question. Oh, no, the question the question was, could the store scene be considered offensive or harmless given the context or and could it be reproduced in a movie today? I I think you can still do it. Um, You would definitely have to be a lot more careful with the age of the characters and the costuming, but I think you can still get away with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I didn't take it as I'm a guy but still i didn't take it as really offensive because it is in the context she's specifically doing this to distract the boys so it's not like it's not like it's a voyeur thing to where she's unaware they're looking at her no she's doing it on purpose the i mean she's um what do you call it voluntarily showing off her posterior just to distract and they're totally just staring not paying attention to toenail fungus angela (laughs) (laughs) she uh, she did have some ugly uh, toenails, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different tack here, gang. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty offensive. I mean, mm-hmm. acting classes are not that expensive. And Oh, here we go again. Okay, okay, a okay. little bit in the... What? Yeah, no, oh, no, we're not talking, we're talking about, about something different. We're not talking about the line delivery for you, Ian. We're talking about the context of the scene of her showing her posterior to the boys to distract them. I thought her performance was kind of ass. So oh it's, we are talking about the same wow, thing. Wow. Okay. Ah, and there you go, Petty. Well, I mean, it was it was definitely in the round. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, I think context definitely it shows that context means a lot of things for scenes like that. And yeah, it was voluntarily. It's not like they were leering and she wasn't aware. She was fully aware and taking advantage of their hormones to. Um, uh, you know. I did love I did love Angela's kind of like uh, Bugs Bunny, like going around the like <laughs> jumping shit into the bag. It was so good. It reminded me like like the two guys at the counter and then Angela and Suzanne. This was like uh, Kevin Smith was watching this movie when he was inspired by Clerks. I'm convinced <laughs> it's so Clerks. Well, and it's great because the convenience, the other patrons. There was no dead guy in the bathroom. No, there wasn't. <laughs> Not that we saw that we saw. <laughs> But the patrons didn't give a rat's ass that Angela was stealing stuff either. <laughs> they were just going about their business. Yeah, it was Halloween. It was Halloween. But, 
Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was bad even in a modern day sense because mm -hmm. she's owning her sexuality. She's empowering herself. So, I mean, I know a lot of people can go off of the reverse and like, well, she's selling herself short, blah, blah, blah. But I think it just comes down to how you want to read into it. She, she's fully playing to the expectation of the guys behind the counter, uh, you know, figuring they are the type of guys which they ended up being. And she takes advantage of that for their own. Uh, uh, well, she took a gamble assuming that they were heterosexual. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that is the gamble. Uh, well, I mean, the but... movie is from 1988, so it's uh, it's pretty much a sure bet. <laughs> um, yeah, well, but... and they were the typical nerdy guys too, so you know. Right. I mean, it's it's an arborist of exploitation because she's exploiting she's exploiting them just as much as they're exploiting you know her by by ogling yeah her yeah yeah. There's a mutual exploitation going on there. Um, and uh, Petty also comments, this movie lacked the touch of Kevin Feige to make it a global event in the 80s. <laughs> demons across the world. Yes. Uh, Night of the Demons Endgame. I love there it. There you go. There <laughs> you go. And uh, Petty also makes a good comment. The, the old gentleman had a very good false teeth, and that's why he didn't feel the razors. So, yeah, you know, sure. Possibly. It's possible. False tongue, false trachea, the whole bit. Well, no, like, he, all the way down. What? You know, if he doesn't chew his 32 times, if he just kind of eats in one whole bite and swallows versus chewing, which you can do with apple pie because the apple. True, are... you're an animal. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, your explanation is hard to swallow, but I'll oh. go with it. <laughs> wow. And, and on that note, I think we're going to end it for the evening. Uh, thank you, Petty, for wonderful comments. So, happy to have you here uh adding to the conversation and definitely and always fun to have live participation and always fun to have these wonderful crew members in the house especially to talk horror and now as always this is where i give uh my uh folks a license to shill so give your final thought with night of the demons would you recommend it and then you get a license to shill so uh cara you can go first I, I would still recommend it. It's it's a, it's a good film. It's a little slow, but the practical effects are great. I think the story is good. Um, I mean, the the work the work. I cannot talk tonight. The wait is well worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ian, and how about you, sir? I that's perfectly well said. I don't really have anything to sure. <laughs> to add to it. Awesome. Um, Maybe a little more. Stuttered. Although I'm still. <laughs> well, oh, yes. Uh, See, now you rubbed off me. I, I'm stuttering. But um, <laughs> no, I will say I've been very hard on, on Linnea Quigley tonight. Deservedly so, but I still appreciate her as a horror icon. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Well, uh, you know, cool. Uh, well said. <laughs> I, I, I have no other opinion on that. Uh, so <laughs> now, though, license to shill. Kara, uh, what you got out there that people can find? I, I really don't have anything new. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, as always, there's always tons of video reviews up on my YouTube channel, Horror Retrospective at YouTube. Um, I have some old Easter themed uh, or Easter horror themed stuff on my Instagram. That's also horror underscore retrospective. If anybody's more interested in the, um, I guess, digital manipulation or artsy fartsy stuff. <laughs> 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 Way to plug that, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Ian, sir, license to shill. 
Um, yeah, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have the Kicking the Seat YouTube channel, uh, which the you know the big thing going on right now is uh, I posted a video yesterday or you know a few days ago whenever you're watching this, uh, talking about why I'm taking a year-long break from superhero movies. So I'm going to save some time and some money and some effort. And uh, yeah, we'll come back and see where we are in a year. So that's fun. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting situation. Uh, but mad props for you for taking that journey. Uh, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what what comes about in a year if you're still talking to me. Uh, well, no, you're you're. I'm I'm fully counting on you and the rest of the gang to be on these uh, these live streams because even though <laughs> I'm not going to be watching them, I'm still going to be doing shows. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> And uh, Petty has one last comment. Excellent direct, excellent experts. Thank you very much for everything. Have a good time. And uh, to borrow a phrase from Ian, Excelsior. So, <laughs> Which I borrowed from Stan Lee. So, Which, yes, still yes. from the best. Thank you, Petty. It, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there you go. And I will just say, yes, Night of the Demons, if you like 80s horror, there's a reason this is a classic. My son is correct, and upon watching it now with adult eyes, it does take a little while to get to where you want it to go. But once it does, oh, man, it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful yeah, it's, time. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a button clincher if you're in a seat it in is. a car seat. <laughs> it, it, it basically goes with the philosophy. And Ian and I have had this discussion uh, on our uh, Patreon episodes, which you can check on our Patreon on the uh, after hours which is actually before the show but anyway uh, uh you know sometimes films good or bad you remember the ending more so than the beginning so if even if it's slow if it finishes strong you're probably going to rate it a little bit higher it's going to probably sit better with you than if it starts strong and it ends like a popcorn fart like pfft, like <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> so uh, there you go. And this ends so strong that I think it is worth a watch well, as well. Puppy farts sound the same way. That that's true. That's true. They do. <laughs> and now that, you have no cheeks. <laughs> it, it all comes down to flatulence, folks. <laughs> so I think I'll just say good night, everyone. <laughs> I'm horrified, but uh, good night. Good night. Yes, folks, I had a brain fart as while well, we were talking about <laughs> farts. The popcorn fart. That's popcorn the fart. And popcorn and puffy fart. Puppy this was farts. a night of... Sorry, I couldn't this, help it. This was a uh, uh, horror of 1988. I totally forgot to have our, my guests take a stab at it. So, uh, Ian or Carr, which one of you wants to take a stab at the next month's horror film? Carr, you, you go ahead. All right, Kara, uh, pick a number from one through seven. 42. Uh. Um, okay, <laughs> divide that by something. <laughs> uh, I'll go with five. We're going with five. And so for June, we are uh, getting the harvest early and looking at Pumpkinhead. We are going to look at the Lance Hendrickson film, Pumpkinhead. I believe that's he was in that first one, wasn't he? Yeah, he, that was, yeah, that was mm -hmm. him. So Pumpkinhead, as you can tell from the reaction from Ian, uh, it'll be interesting uh, conversation. And then I'll have to come up with a theme around Pumpkinhead. So stay tuned for that. And see, this is why you should listen to the audio only version as well as the live version, because sometimes I forget things and I add things and 
There you go, folks. So, Kara, excellent pick as always. Uh, Pumpkinhead for uh, June. And now I have to figure out what else I'm going to do for June for the theme. Uh, always a fun Night time. Night of the Scarecrow. Night of the Scarecrow. Ooh. I, li I like the direction you're going with that. Now, now you're giving me some food for thought. So there we have it, folks. Uh, yeah, and now we will say uh, good night, everyone. <laughs> good night. <laughs> <laughs>